You're listening to The Nerd Table on CKCC Radio, starring Dan Peck. Have you seen the card for the New Japan show tomorrow? It's going to be sweet. Eric Flores. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, go ahead. And CKCC Radio's founder, Chris O'Mealy. Breaking news. I have a crush on Sasha Banks. Listen to CKCC Radio wherever you find your favorite podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Nerd Table. I am Chris, and I am feeling a little under the weather, which is why this episode is coming to you guys later than usual. Now, I'm still not feeling so great, but I'm feeling up to the challenge of entertaining you. So that's why I'm here. Also feeling under the weather is my partner in crime, Dan Peck. Hey, everybody. Uh, and not feeling under the weather, feeling really damn good, because of course he is, is my other partner in crime, Eric. You could say I am over the weather, a little high, in fact. I can't tell if you're referencing Michigan sweltering hot summers or something completely different. Well, it was meant to be kind of like... It could be either or, or maybe both. Uh Uh-huh, I see. But it is good to talk to you guys. I I, I felt like, I don't know, I felt naked this week that we didn't do it at our our normal time, especially after already missing missing one because of the tournaments that I've been going to. So I'm just like, this feels fucking weird, you know? Well, that's okay, because... I used my actual wife to replace my first wife. Aha. Uh-huh. That was always the big joke. Was, yep. was that Eric and I were going to get married. <laughs> it was going to happen. And then Shannon got in the way. <laughs> Actually, Shannon was there before I met you. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not 100 on the timelines and everything. So, okay. So, um, Shannon and I officially started dating in January of '09, but I didn't meet Eric until the fall of 2011. That's in this lifetime. Oh my god! Who's to say we haven't met before in a different life? We were probably Velociraptors at one point. You know, I wonder if at some point during those early dating time timelines when we would go to Disney every weekend, how many times I got on a ride that you were operating and something went wrong on that ride and you were actually in charge of my fate. Like now I I'm did. actually thinking about this. I mean, what year did you say? Where were you in 09? In 09? Ooh, that's a toughie. Right, because from oh six to oh nine I did security. And oh nine that's when I went to Fantasyland. And you were in Fantasyland until you came to Inno, right? Yep. Well, okay. We went to Fantasyland quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, and I did work pretty much all the rides, so at any given point, maybe. Oh boy. Lucky if there was a downtime, chances are, yes, it, it, I was there. Boy, I felt oh like I was involved in all of them. Good God. Well, 
Eric, why don't you tell everybody why you've missed the last episode and uh, how you're doing? Oh, yeah. So, basically, I moved up here from Florida, right? I don't really have any friends that I can just go over to their house and stuff. And one of the things that I used to do is I used to play, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! with some of my friends who still played. And I just kind of, I was missing it, you know? Like, yeah, they got the mobile games and stuff, and uh, and I play that as well. But there's something about actually holding the physical cards and playing the game. So I decided to look up, like, where they played before. And I, and I played in tournaments before in Florida. But uh, it's my first time venturing up here in Michigan. So I found a place that holds Yu-Gi-Oh! tournaments, and uh, had a blast. Um, I played my first match there, which is Friday. This is one of those stores that actually have uh, two days for um, for tournaments. Uh, they have the Friday games and the Sunday games, uh, and I just happened to go to that Friday game because I had it off uh, for whatever reason. And I won. I wasn't expecting to win as many matches as I did. And they're like, cool. You, uh, uh, we can finish up the rest of these matches since you may, I, I play so high on Sunday. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess I'm doing that. And then we just never really found time. Like, uh, honestly, our, our schedules got so messy and mixed up that we just we we couldn't get all three of us in one place at the same time well to be fair to be fair to be fair uh this past weekend i was just feeling sick and i really didn't have a voice for like four days there i'm still don't have like a fully recovered voice yet so it's okay you know, it's the it's the th- one thing I need to do a podcast. Like, I don't need anything other than my voice to actually do a podcast. And I didn't have that thing. So, it's okay. <clears throat> so, yes, that's why I was gone that one day. And now it may be a reoccurring thing if I do pretty good. Um, I did have a bad experience the very last time that I went. But it is whatever. Um, basically, someone... Accused me of stealing their box. Uh, you know the generic boxes that you would use to hold cards in? And they so, accused you uh, of stealing it. Well, yeah. I mean, everybody has a box. And I just happen to have a red box that this guy also happened to have. It's not like... It's not a very uncommon thing. Now, the kid was like 13 or whatever. So I was like, here, take the fucking box. I'll just hold on to my cards till I get home. Because I'll keep my cards in a car in the meantime little shit anyway but uh i was just like how are you gonna like how are you gonna tell people that i stole your box because our boxes look alike well he sure told you i mean i just didn't want to be like i'm the i'm already the new guy right and i don't want them to think that oh he's a thief and on top of that i'm stealing from like a 13 year old so i'm just like fucking a all right here take the box bye bad i you know i thought it was mine Maybe, maybe I lost mine. Maybe it actually was his, but you know it's whatever. I I know it wasn't his. So, instead of just sitting in a Call of Duty lobby and having him insult your mother, now they're just calling you a thief. 
Well, yeah, right, but like in a, at least in a Call of Duty lobby, you could just leave and go to another lobby. This is kind of just like, well, I can't. Do I just leave the store and go to a different store? Fuck that. It's close to my house. I'm uh, I'm lazy. If uh, above anything else, I'm I'm not gonna travel an extra five miles to go to a different store <laughs> for tournaments. I feel you on that one. All right. Well, to continue our tradition, we're gonna discuss the year of 1992, as this is episode 92. And we will start, like we always do, with the top films of 1992. Dan, do you have the top films of 1992? Yeah, I've got the top five grossing in the United States. Number five is A Few Good Men. I, I, uh, spoiler alert, there are indeed a few good men in that movie. And a few scumbags. Number four, Lethal Weapon 3. Number three, Batman Returns. Unpopular opinion, but this is a lower tier Batman movie for me. I believe Batman's in 17 minutes of it, and it's like over two hours. That sounds about right. Number two was Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Which I love that movie. That's a good example of a... <clears throat> it's hard for comedy sequels to take that much inspiration from the first movie and do a lot of stuff over again and still be funny and feel good. This one not only accomplishes it, but in some ways I think is even better than the first one. And a lot of that I think has to do with Tim Curry. Because the, the whole inclusion of Tim Curry and the entire hotel staff make the movie more entertaining. Rob Schneider is the bellhop. Oh, I've still got some tip left over. It does make me wonder if, if like, it was a, it, somebody else had like a, a movie script about some kid that ends up in a high-class hotel and someone's like, let's make that. Let's use half of that premise and use half of our Home Alone 2 premise put them together. You know, A Quiet Place was originally supposed to be in the Cloverfield universe. They decided to let it be a standalone. Interesting. And now it has its... Now, now it is its own series. Indeed it is. And number one movie in 1992... U.S. domestic box office, and it is the full confirmation that Disney Animated Studios is back. It's Aladdin. Aladdin. So between Robin Williams and Gilbert Gottfried, this might be this. This is a top tier Disney movie just off of them. And now we were at that point where Disney's doing the. Um, they're starting to break tradition, too. Yes, Jasmine's a princess, but she's also a tough, strong, independent character. Aladdin's a hero, but he's not a rich prince, although he pretends to be one. But he is just a, a street urchin. And it's got good comedy. It's got great voice acting, and it's got a killer soundtrack. What more could you want? 
Yeah, we even we even had the soundtrack. Like that's not often for my family, but we got the Aladdin soundtrack on vinyl, cassette, now CD, CD. So on on top of that, uh, two Dragon Ball Z movies came out in 1992. Oh yeah. Yes. So you got Dragon Ball Z: The Return of Cooler. And uh, Dragon Ball Z Super Android 13. I kind of hate that all the Dragon Ball Z movies are technically non-canon. I mean, some of them were kind of hot garbage, but some of them were good. Um, the movie with Janimba is really good. Yes. Janimba's insane. Was that Fusion, At, like... Fusion Reborn or something? Or Fusion... Yeah, something with Fusion... Yeah. That's a good movie. And I'm surprised that they haven't introduced like Janimba and Super or something like that. Well, you never know. They got Brawly in there. I know. They made him officially canon by putting him in the Super arc, so... And didn't change yep, that much about reborn. So... All right, so I'm going to go quickly go down the list of 92 movies and find some other movies that may have come out that you may have been interested in, or in some cases, like Medicine Man, which never existed. 1992 gave us Wayne's World. Yeah. Yes. Party on, dudes. That's such a great movie. So one of our regular clients that I have at my company. His name is Wayne, and every now and again he'll come in wearing his Wayne's World hat. For that very reason. And I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate Wayne's World more now as an adult than I did as a kid. And right? I fucking love it as a like, kid. Like Ghostbusters, right? Yeah. It's just like, oh man, when you understand the references, things are great! Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what else came out in 1992? The best version of, uh, well, maybe not the best version, but The Muppets Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the best version of A Christmas Carol. I'll fight anybody who disagrees. I mean, I agree with you, but I also haven't seen them all. You don't have to see them all. This one has the Muppets in it. And it has Charles Dickens. You know what? You're fucking right. It has double the Marleys. And it has no cheeses for us Mises. I, I've already won the argument, Eric. I'm sorry. No, I agree with you. Wait, what? <laughs> I would say it's straight up the best. If you're looking for the best that's like a more traditional take, it's the um, Patrick Stewart one. With a more full story and, you know, not Muppets. I always thought the George C. Scott one was really good. You had me until you said not Muppets. Well, sorry. <laughs> uh, they did release Tiny Toon Adventures, How I Spent My Vacation in 92. Owned that on VHS. Then they uh, split it up and made it part of the show and yeah. edited too much of it out. So I used to get really annoyed when they would air it. Because what the, t the thing is probably like a full hour, and they can't do that into a TV, so they have to cut out like five ten minutes of it. Yep, a few episodes. But it's 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 always been a fun story because it it has Buster and Babs on their own adventure, 
Plucky and Hampton going to the theme park, which is the highlight of the whole movie. And then a couple of other tidbits with some other characters along the way. But nothing beats the fact that Hampton's family drags Plucky on this horrible road trip just for him to show up in the end. Basically do nothing at the park. And he's just like, but we drove all this way. He's like, yeah. And now we've got all kinds of stuff to look forward to next time. They pick up, like, the killer hitchhiker along the way. And the family's oblivious that he's literally trying to murder Plucky in the backseat. Good stuff. My cousin Vinny came out in March of 92. Very good. I don't think I've seen it all the way through. Uh, my... My favorite is just the opening statement, right? The lawyer gives us full diatrod, and then Joe Pesci just steps up and goes, <clears throat> everything that guy said was bullshit, Your Honor. And that's his whole opening statement. <laughs> oh, it's so perfect. Basic instinct with the infamous scene, the interrogation scene where Sharon Stone flashes the camera. Which that's supposed good. to be an infamous scene? That's, well, it's a good scene. I mean, yeah, yeah, they're not wrong. I'm just saying I don't understand why it's infamous. And Unless it wasn't supposed famous, to. It's infamous. I, I'm just picturing, like, it was supposed to be meant for, it was supposed to be rated G, and then she was like, nah, fuck this. <laughs> White men can't jump. That came out in 92. Beethoven. That launched a whole series. Yeah. There were tons of Beethoven movies. Oh, Army of Darkness? Oh, I haven't even gotten there yet. I'm going in order. Oh. Uh, but yeah, well, we'll talk about that. Army of Darkness. Uh, the best of that original Evil Dead trilogy, which is saying something, because those movies are amazing. Yeah. But Army of Darkness was like, you know what? We did our horror. Let's have some. Let's just have some straight-up action now. Uh, Army of Darkness is so good. Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. That was another one of those movies they used to put on a lot when we were when we were kids and we'd be like waiting to go on a field trip or something. They'd be like, oh, bust out the VHSs. We got Fern Gully, throw that in there. The Babe came out in 92. Dan, have you ever seen that? Uh, no, I haven't, but I, I remember John Goodman as Babe Ruth. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, let's see. I'm going down the list here looking for other movies. We mentioned Lethal Weapon 3. Alien 3. What a disappointment that was. I mean, yeah. How about Sister Act? Was Sister Act really 92? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was meant for Bette Midler, but Bette Midler said, I don't think my fans want to see me play a nun. Completely missing the point of the movie. Right? Patriot Games came out in 92. That's a pretty good action movie. Kind of, kind of mindless. Fun. Um, Tom Clancy. Uh, one of Dan's all-time favorites, A League of Their Own. Yeah. So, A League of Their Own is one of those movies I did a complete 180 on. I used to hate that movie because it was one of those 
your family's forcing you to watch it because they think it's a good movie and you're you're a stubborn kid and you immediately reject it. And then later in life, you sit down and watch it yourself and you realize that, oh, wow, this actually is a great movie. I should have watched this. And now it, if it's not the best baseball movie, it's the to- in the top three. Dan, you would agree with that, right? Oh, yeah. Even even if even if you can't say it's the best one, you have to put it at the top. Which one? A League of Their Own. A League of Their Own. I don't know if I've seen it. It's the women's baseball team during the World War II era. Tom Hanks is the coach. You know, it sounds familiar. I just don't think I, I've seen it. I think you'd Which like it. Nah, you'd like it. It is very funny. Very entertaining movie. Uh... Honey, I blew up the kid. As in, they made him bigger. They didn't physically blow the kid up. Okay. I feel like that is odd. I, I, I want to say that movie feels older than 92. Actually, to me, it feels newer than 92. Well, the original was 90 or was 89. And so this and they was did just... a part two, and this is part three. No, this is part two. Part three is the one where they shrink themselves, and that was a straight-to-video release with just Rick Moranis. And the only reason I knew that movie existed was because the trailer for it was on the Goofy movie VHS. But I believe that's all on the uh, Disney Plus now, so you can check those out. By the way, uh, Rick Moranis, what a great guy. Right? And then somebody just randomly punched him in the face not too long ago. The guy who gave up acting so he could raise his kids right when his wife died of cancer. And somebody punched him. <sighs> Unbelievable. Uh, the infamous Bebe's Kids. This one is definitely infamous. This came out in 92. Uh, for people who are not familiar with what Bebe's Kids was, it was an animated feature. I'm trying to remember which comedian did the... Uh, oh, uh, Robin Harris's stand-up comedy act. Turned it into a movie, HBO-style movie. It was not good. And it's Didn't spawned... they try it as a show? <laughs> and it became one of the worst video games of all time. It's like... Fouled mouth four year olds. Yeah. It's not but foul not mouth ten year olds. It's foul mouth four year olds. Yeah. For those of you out there who associate Sarah Michelle Geller as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Christy Swanson did it first. In the ninety two movie. Which they realized would have been better if we made it as a TV show. And it became one of the most successful TV shows of all time. The movie is not bad, but if you've never seen it, you don't you're not missing anything. So. I have seen it and I haven't watched the TV show. <laughs> That's funny. Cuz it just got Paul Rubens. It does. Do you guys remember the 3 Ninjas movie? The first one, yes. That was 92. I see that one. I haven't seen the Take Back Whatever Mountain starring, you know, Hulk Hogan. Well, why would you? That just sounds like a giant waste of your time. 
If you guys are in the mood for a bad Hellraiser movie, Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. Because, you know, of course that stuff. They, they can't stop making sequels to horror movies. <clears throat> I feel like that's always been a thing. Like, I, I now that I, I really look at it, I thought it was just a new thing, right? Because I didn't notice all the sequels to horror movies until I was older, and all the older stuff started making sequels, like the second and third Scream movies and shit like that. It's a factory. It was for a bit, I think, like, a few of them were higher than James Bond's, but in the last 20 years, we put out a few James Bond, quite a few James Bond's, so... Yep. The Mighty Ducks. Nice. October 2nd, 1992. What a great movie. It's either that or Slapshot for best hockey movie. And Mr. Baseball came out the same day. The Tom Selleck movie. That's pretty good, too. That's enjoyable. Uh... This also came out on the same day, the Of Mice and Men movie. The one with uh, John Malkovich and Gary yeah. Sinise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really good movie. That one will that one will get tug at your heartstrings a little bit. And then you realize how many stories are just a ripoff of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a good action movie out of Under Siege if Steven Seagal is your thing. That's probably Seagal's best movie. Uh, you get the Candyman horror movie, the first one before they made the or they did a remake, I think. I don't know if it's a remake. Uh, Reservoir Dogs came out in '92. One of Tarantino's best. That one's that one has uh, one of my favorite musical moments in any movie. Uh, Stuck well, in the middle of it. It's, I hear that song, that's I think about a guy getting his ear cut off. That's what you're supposed to do. Can't divorce it from that thought anymore. Bram Stoker's Dracula with Gary Oldman. Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. The Malcolm X movie came out in 92. The Bodyguard. If you've never seen the movie, you have absolutely heard the song. Guaranteed you've heard the song. Which is a cover. Indeed. Dolly Parton. Very different. Yes, but very good. And yeah, I think that that about wraps up all the movies worth talking about for 92. Hell of a collection, though. Uh, Let's discuss the top songs of 1992. Top five songs from the Billboard. Baby, Baby, Baby by TLC, which I do not remember. The earliest TLC song I remember is Creep. Hmm. Okay. Number four, Save the Best for Last by Vanessa Williams. That's an okay song. 
And number three is Jump by Criss Cross. Yep, I remember that. Mac Daddy make you. Okay. Daddy Mac will make you. Criss Cross will make you. Number two is a meme song, It's Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-a-Lot. Nice. And number one song of the year was End of the Road by Boyz II Men. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I could definitely see that. Not surprised there. Yeah. Now, let's see, what else came out this year? We I had... remember hearing a joke in like middle school or whatever. Someone was like, you know, you put together some of Boyz II Men's top songs, it's like, I'll make love to you at the end of the road on bended knee. Right? It's one way to do it. <laughs> that gives me an idea. Light bulb. What's the light bulb? Don't you worry about it. Ah, damn it. We're not getting canceled. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers released Under the Bridge. Nice. Um, Michael Jackson released Black or White. I remember that when they made a big deal and they were like, we're going to debut it on Fox at like 8 p.m. That's actually, that might be what, I think that might be my number two Michael Jackson song, actually. After Beat It, which is just one of the greatest songs ever made, period. But I'm, I'm a big fan of this song. I really, really like the beat of the song, so. 92 was, of course, the year for Billy Ray Cyrus's Achy Breaky Heart. Which he was famous for, for a little bit, until he decided that his daughter would be the thing that would be the most famous. Here's a good song, November Rain from Guns N' Roses. That's a uh, great that's a song. Wicked long song. Yeah, but a great song. Jump Around by the House of Pain. Yeah, two songs about jumping. I know. How about Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana? There we go. That was 92. How about the fact that Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen made it back onto the Billboard charts because of Wayne's World? It finished number 39. That's incredible. Yep, because of Wayne's World. Love it. Could you imagine being a new artist at the time and you're like so close to being in the top 40 and out of nowhere, a Queen song from the 70s is like, nah, bitch. (laughs) I'm taking this spot. Right? (laughs) This one's for Jeff because Jeff's a fan of Toad the Wet Sprocket. All I Want came out in 92. I don't know much about that band, but Jeff loves them. So that one's for him. Also, Genesis was still putting out music, and so was Brian Adams. I gotta look. Hold up. Aw. Okay. So after I said the whole stealing the top 40 spot, I had to look to see who was 41 and see who got smacked in the face, and it was Janet Jackson. Yeah. Nobody's crying about that one. (laughs) Ain't nobody crying about that one. And then as I get towards the bottom of the list, I don't see anything else that really stands out to me. So, 
All right, well, there you go. Um, your music of 92. <clears throat> Dan, what were some of the top video games in 1992? Well, 1992, there were about three games that were uh, head and shoulders above everybody else. And that would be Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Which, in a lot of ways, was better than the first one because it, it took everything good about the first one and added more to it. It did better than the second Mario game. Yeah, but let's be honest. The the second Mario game is such a cluster. Uh, if people don't know that story, let's quickly inform them, Eric, because it is kind of a funny story. You want so, the short version? I'll give you the short version. You give the more detailed version. <laughs> All right, go. <laughs> Go for it. Game's fucked up! <laughs> Alright, that's the short version. So, Japan released a sequel to Super Mario Brothers that they determined was too difficult for Westerners. Because it's literally just the first game, but with much harder levels. And I think all they really added was, like, the poison mushroom, right? So, they took a game called Doki Doki No Panic and reskinned it with Mario characters and then added a couple of Mario tropes in there. And gave that to the Westerners, and that's the Super Mario Brothers 2 that you guys know, where you pick up vegetables and hurl them as shy guys. Well, that game ended up being quite successful, and quite a lot of fun, even though it didn't really feel like a Mario game. It was a ton of fun, though. So, when Mario All-Stars came out, where they gave us all three Mario games on the Super Nintendo, they gave us the original Mario 2 as the lost levels so you could play it and realize yeah this actually is kind of shitty like this it is was not like a fun game early kaizo levels of stuff like talking about like having a one square to like run to make a really big jump stuff like that and and now people play mario maker for that same exact fucking feeling right they give you, they give you like the exact amount of room you need to do what you need to do I, I've heard Mario uh, Mario Maker is more of a rhythm game than it is an actual Mario game. Because if you can time when you need to push the buttons, you don't even need to look at the fucking screen. No, it depends on what you, what you look for, right? Like, Well, it depends on what kind of challenge that you want, too. Yeah, because like, I've been doing the, um, you know, like whatever that one mode is where you just keep going and until you like lose a certain amount of times. And I put it on easy, and it just just fantastic levels that are considered easy. There's ones that play themselves, actually, but it's like they play an awesome song in the background using the sound effects from Mario games. And you're like, holy shit. There's a John and then there's Cena also, one. Yeah, and there's also, like, really elaborate levels that you could spend an hour playing, or you could just run across in 10 seconds. Because they, because you have to like go inside a door to do all the other stuff, but technically you just have the end thing on the other side of that. People make puzzle solving levels, and those are my favorite things in the world. I would appreciate that, but I always end up getting the levels where like it starts you off in air and it drops you, and then there's no ground underneath you, and you fucking die instantly. And I'm just like, well, fuck this stage. <laughs> like if that's how they're going to start it off. Would you like to try again? <laughs> I mean, I try a few times, but normally it's just like, oh, hey, I can jump over uh, over here, and then when you go to jump, there's an invisible block, and it'll hit you, and you get knocked on the floor. The only thing that gets annoying with the levels, honestly, is the people who overkill the sound effects. And that at that point, you're just like, all right, I get it. 
But if I genuinely enjoy a level, I'll give it a good review. Damn, I will... suck the hedgehog. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look at us oh. steal, stealing <laughs> Sega's thunder and talking about Mario. A lot like Nintendo. Added Tails? I feel like Tails is such an underrated character. I actually I mean, would play it was is just Tails quite often. It's a lot easier when you're playing with Tails. Because he can like you can fucking fly. Helicopter around. Uh also they added uh being able to um speed yourself up by holding down and then spamming the button. Whereas in the previous game you couldn't. Yeah, you had to run real fast and then just hold down. Well, that's just it, right? A good sequel takes what was great about the first game and improves it. Improves what was bad about the original one and enhances what was good about the first one. Or sometimes, you know, you just need to try something new to try to take it in a different direction. And when it fails horribly, like the second Legend of Zelda, uh, you go back to what was good. Hmm. I mean, you're not wrong. But was well, Zelda I'll take that because they went back to it, and that game was The Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past, and that well, was one of the top games of that year. No, they, no. They, they, they did it as a little cheese because I feel like the the entire game was fucking perfect. Even the parts where it was side scroll, it was like, haha! Remember when we made the shitty game? <laughs> Still, my all time favorite game. Yeah. Zelda Link to the Past. It'll. I don't think it'll ever be usurped at this point. I, I'm waiting for there to be like a Legend of Zelda, a Return to the Dream. One of the things that I really liked, I was reading an article about this, or maybe I was watching a YouTube video, but they were just openly discussing how like the Switch completely reinvented Nintendo and they found ways to reinvent all of their franchises. They're like, Look at what they've come up with. Mario Odyssey, Breath of the Wild, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. It's like they're literally saving all their franchises and coming up with these fantastic new versions of them. Like, you just know that we're going to get a new Star Fox at some point, and it's going to be the Star Fox we've all been waiting for. You know what I can't wait for? The new fucking Metroid Prime. Did you play Metroid Dread? I have it. I have not beaten it, mainly because I don't know where to fucking go. And I know, <laughs> I know that's the premise. Metroidvania, I baby. At last, but eventually, I will find my way. But it hasn't happened yet, and I don't feel like getting frustrated. So I've picked it up again. I've, I've had Metroid Dread for exactly six months. This is the halfway point to my birthday, everybody. I've had it since then. I have not played it at all. I popped it in and made sure it was up to date. That's all I did. <laughs> That's funny. I have not played it. But yeah, Zelda Link to the Past is still my favorite video game of all time, period. Cool. And I can't see that ever coming out of number one. I don't know if I've ever been able to pick a number one game. I've been able to pick a number one series or whatever. And the other game was Street Fighter 2. Street Fighter 2 was good. 
I don't know if it was better than Alpha. But Alpha, I mean, that's a different time period. Well, this right? was when it was like almost one-to-one with the arcade, and it was literally you could be at home. Right, because that was the... Play and then go back to the arcade and beat up somebody. Yeah. Okay, in that aspect, that was great. I just remember, I can't remember if it was Alpha or Turbo that introduced like the new like little ultimates that you can do. One of my favorite memes I ever saw was the the car parked on the dock. It goes, this would be a nice, safe place to park my car, right? (laughs) And then in the credits of Wreck-It Ralph, he destroys the car and then gets destroyed by Blanca immediately after. God forbid, like, you were trying to make a playthrough with, like, Zangief or something, or... Well, not Zangief, but like, uh, who who's the the stretchy guy? I can't remember his name. Dalsim. Yes. Imagine trying to like break the car with him. Like, it's just not gonna happen. I feel I like his attacks are way too fast. Used it stuff. with Blanca. With Blanca, Ihanda, and like Chung Li. Was it like okay? Get close to car smash button. Okay. <laughs> Would you say that Street Fighter is the greatest fighting game of all time? I will say that Street Fighter is the greatest fighting franchise of all time. I mean, it completely Street Fighter 2 completely changed fighting games. Because before it was about trying to make it be realistic, but it accidentally introduced combos. <laughs> and then people were like, what? This is fucking badass. Um... It was not intended, but it was it was found. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if I can say Street Fighter is the best fighting game, though. Uh and and I know it's personal taste, right? Because there's people who like Tekken, and I can't stand, I can't stand uh, 3D fighters. Um. But as far as like combo uh, combo based fighters go, I would say Marvel vs. Capcom 2 was like the shit. And it's still the shit. It's still super smooth if you can find like a good good copy of it. Okay. Um or my personal favorite, which is the Guilty Gear series, Guilty Gear X. Okay. Very good. Uh, Dan, 1992 gave us a lot of new television shows. Would you care to go over what some of those were? Yeah. Um, Batman the Animated Series. Ever heard of it? Yes, I own it. So good. It, it still holds up, too. That's the thing. Like, watch it now. It still holds up. And when they made these new Batman video games, they're like, who should play all our people? And they're like, get the almost the entire cast from the show 20 years ago. And they're like, e- sure. Well, 15 at the time, because that game was like 2008 or whatever. I mean, <clears throat> if you're going to pick any of the voice actors, you're going for that one. Like, Mark Hamill's my favorite Joker. Yeah. He's my favorite everything. Whatever he plays, he's my favorite in it. 
Even himself in real life. Who's your favorite supervillain? Uh, obviously, Cockknocker from the Bluntman so- and Chronic movies. <laughs> hey, kids, it's Mark Hamill. Applause. Yeah, and then, uh, hey, X-Men? Ever heard of it? Dude, the X-Men cartoon was so good. Saturday, 11 a.m. Aren't they redoing it or, like, continuing it? They are continuing it. That theme song, though. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. That was fire before, like... (sighs) That was fire, dude. So, did you hear... You know the story that uh, they needed someone to do the sound design for the X-Men cartoon show? And Saban said, they'll do it if Fox lets them make Power Rangers. Works for me. That's how they both happened. Excellent trade. (laughs) He's like, I've been looking to make American version of Super Sentai. We'll do this job for you if you let me do this. And they're like, Sure. And then they bust out, and you're just like, fuck yeah. You can tell it was made by the same composer, too, because if you listen to how the guitar riff sounds, it's the same style guitar. It's that trademark sound, you know? If I put on an ACDC song right now and just play guitars from it, you're going to know it's ACDC. Like, it's that distinct sound. But the show was really good, too. You know, what other show started in 1992? What? Yu Yu Hakusho. Ghost Files. Yes, it did. You and Matt convinced me to watch that entire show because you kept talking about how it was the goat of all animes. Entire Yu Yu Hakusho. You were like, it's it's the goat, so it's the best man. anime, it's... Yeah, because this was when you and Matt were doing your old podcast. Yeah. And I was listening to your anime, your, your anime episode and you're like, dude, Yu Yu Hakusho is the best one. And I'm like, I keep hearing that from people. It's the best one. So finally, I just flat out messaged Matt. Because there's no point in asking you. Because you're, you're not going to be able to successfully sell it to me. Because you know me too well. All I would really have to say if I wanted you to really watch something. Is just say, dude, over and over again. Right, exactly. Because <laughs> I know you. And I know how you are. So I'm like, okay. So I, I message Matt. I'm like, you guys keep talking about Yu Yu Hakusho. Like, don't just convince, don't just be like, oh, watch it because it's great. Tell me specifically what you like about it. And he did. He said it's got the best arcing stories. It's paced perfectly. There's no filler whatsoever. Which is true. Every episode leads into the next part of the story. There's literally no filler. And he goes, and he's like, and there's there's four story arcs, so it's easy to follow. And I'm like, okay, it's only like a hundred and... It was less than 120 episodes, which for a length of an anime is actually pretty good. I was like, okay, yeah. yeah I will, uh... I'll give this a shot. An abnormal length for an anime, because they're either 
done in 10 or less, or it's still going. Right. And the big thing he said was it has a slow start because it's got a lot to build up. But once you get once you get into the second half of the first arc, he goes, if you're not hooked by then, you're not going to be hooked at all. And I knew the exact moment when I got hooked because they were storming the castle. Have fun storming the castle. I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm into this. I'm digging it. And they keep unlocking new layers of characters, and they keep changing up certain things, and it's another one of those, kind of like Dragon Ball, you wonder how the stakes can get higher from where they already were, and they find a way to get higher. You know what episode, I can't remember, like, it it wasn't that far in, I want to say it was maybe three or four fucking episodes in that got me hooked. It was when I realized that the main character is literally such an asshole, but his mom's a piece of shit, too. Oh, my God, yeah, his and, mom is a piece of shit. And I was like, okay, this is edgy as fuck. I'm going to watch the rest of this. You know what other anime has a uh, rather powerful third episode? Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Hmm. Free for crying out loud! <laughs> Jesus. What a great show. What did that It say? was a good... It was a very good show. And, like, I could I could see what it was doing pretty early. I mean, I didn't, I didn't get the, the actual twists and turns, but I was like, oh, this is like a Seven Deadly Sins thing, and it's a... You know, pick it up on the major points. Speaking of another good show. Now, I'll say this. As a fan, it's always going to be Dragon Ball. And I mean pretty much the whole series. Overall, objectively, I'd probably still give it to Cowboy Bebop. But Yu Yu Hakusho was excellent. And anybody out there who has a curiosity about anime and really wants a good one that will entertain the hell out of you, and it has a good mix of action, comedy, drama, some really dark, scary moments, too, Yu Yu Hakusho. The one that got me was how he beat the demon that tried to shrink him, where he did it by just completely being an idiot, and won completely out of chance, and that's when I realized how much I loved the character. I'm like, Yusuke's such a dick, but he's also the luckiest motherfucker on the planet. Well, he's got that armor, man. Yeah. That plot armor. (laughs) Really good shit. (laughs) It is. My whole thing with Dragon Ball right now is that Goku needs to pass on the torch to somebody else. Vegeta? Not even Vegeta. I feel like Vegeta and Goku have reached their limit, right? Their story is done. Because what do you do when you basically become a god? Your story is over. You know, well... That shit needs to get tossed down to Gohan or Goten or some shit. It has to be Gohan at this point. Well, look at Go. It would be the perfect arc for Gohan, right? Because Gohan starts off insufferable. During the Frieza saga, gets better. 
during the Cell Saga becomes the best character, during the Boo Saga regresses to shit, and then makes a huge comeback in Super. So yeah, it's his time. And and you know what? And if you don't even want to get rid of him, you can still incorporate him in the story, right? You continue on with your like god missions, which basically Vegeta and Goku have to do. And then do it like Star Wars, where in an area where they can't be, now the new Earth Defenders is like Gohan and them. Goten or maybe not even Gohan. Maybe Gohan could be doing his own special training, and maybe it's just the Z Fighters and see how they do. And at least give them a reason to fucking catch up. Alright, I get it, Eric. So what you want is for this to be Krillin's time. Yes, it's supposed to be Krillin's time. <laughs> it will never How be are we Krillin's not time. talking about this? It will never he is be the Krillin's strongest time. human. It and we have this his time. with a fucking like, alien from another planet. He's you gotta not let this longer. go. You gotta let it go. All right, It'll never be Krillin's time. It was never Krillin's time. Well, strongest human. Yeah, suck it, Yamcha. Yamcha was never on top. Well, we don't know that for sure. We could probably ask Bulma. Oh, my God. But knowing Bulma, I could honestly say he was never on top. (laughs) Dude, you... You know Bulma wore the pants in that relationship. I still think Bulma wears the pants in the relationship. Do you see the thing where uh, they're training in the, the Boo Saga and Vegeta promises Trunks he'll take him to the amusement park if he lands a punch, and he does. And then at the beginning of Super, one of the episodes is their family vacation and he takes him to the amusement park. Vegeta withheld his promise. Goku literally wasn't there to watch his kids grow up. Who's the better dad? Oh, no, hands down. Between those two, Vegeta's the better dad. Anyway, Yu Yu Hakusho, great anime. Yes. Also, you know who's a better dad than uh, Vegeta? Krillin. Fucking top-notch. No, Krillin's a great dad. he, He went and got, like, he became a police officer to support his family. Doesn't Chi Chi make a Android family? Doesn't Chi Chi make a make it a mark to point that out too? Like, you know, Krillin went and got a job. Yeah. Well, sorry, Chi Chi. I'm busy saving the universe every two days. He's not though. <laughs> not every two days. Well, I gotta train because I'm gonna have to do it next week. Did you ever see the meme where it's a? Uh... It just says, strong person lets out a breath, and then it's Goku going, you son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> I feel like, or they can even lean on that, right? Like, Goku's obsession with fighting. They need to do something. Anyway, let's let's move on. Because we can spend the rest of the episode just talking about Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Super or whatnot. Alright, so also 92, The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Not on Paramount+. Plus. Exactly. I wonder if it's because it was... I know it was invented by some guys that went to Syracuse, so... I'm sure there's a rights issue involved somewhere there. Maybe because of because it was early Nickelodeon. Where well, I mean, like, well yeah. it's a live-action show that you've done all by yourself, so I guess we'll just, like, sublet it or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
something. I don't know. It was fine. It's one of those weird things, like all those, uh, um, what, uh, uh, Paramount shows from back in the day, where it was like Paramount made a show, but it aired on CBS, or Fox made a show, but it aired on CBS, because they didn't have their own station yet. And that was why the Batman 66 show took until 10 years ago to come out on DVD. Right. Because Fox made it, but CBS had the airing rights. Anyway, also 92, Goof Troop. Was that really 92? Yeah, dude, that was one of the later ones. Which then leads to, of course, a Goofy movie, which is Disney Toons, not outright Disney animation. Yes, but it's so good. But it's probably the best Disney Toons movie. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Goof Troop was a fun concept because I like the fact that they really humanized Goofy as a character. He wasn't just the slapstick. Yeah, he was just the slapstick side friend, right? Yeah, and now he actually has a real purpose. Goofy movie is actually a really powerful movie if you watch it today with fresh eyes. Well, I remember, yeah, I remember seeing the, the the meme about like when I was a kid, it was all like, "Geez, Goofy, don't you see you're embarrassing your son?" And then now that I'm older, I'm just like, "Geez, Max, give your father a break. He's trying to have a you know, a moment with you for you know, right? Like that's where we are now with that movie. That's how great that movie actually is if you really think about it. Tell your like if 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 you have kids, tell your kid to watch this now, and then when he's your age, watch it again. Watch it again. See, because I mean, Disney movies are are pretty are, are good at setting that kind of stuff up, but they don't really uh, go through of it as well as goofy as a goofy movie because like you know, there's like the, like a little mermaid. You're like, no, you're just being a little shit. But when you're young, you're just like, but she's in, but she wants to be in love, man. She doesn't like this world, man. You know, and, and then like, you realize you yourself, and then like, no, she's being a little shit. You realize you're like, dude, you're 16, you don't know shit. The line that gets me in Goofy movie is when he says, "I have my own life now, Dad," and he goes, "I know that. I just wanted to be a part of it." Like that's the most relatable line in the whole movie. Oof. Mm-hmm. Oof. Just saying, it gave me the feels. Right? And that Pete has a bowling alley on top of his RV. <laughs> Plus, if it wasn't, yeah, because if it wasn't for Goof Trip, you wouldn't have had Goofy Movie, so. Yeah. Good stuff. That is, really, I mean, that's really what the Goof Trip thing is. So yeah. I had a few more shows because of, like, they weren't a thing when we were kids. And they became a thing later for us. Like, I put Yu Yu Hakusho on this list. Um, the, the 92 was when Jay Leno took over The Tonight Show. Oh. That's how long he's been doing it. From 92 until... When, Which actually uh, isn't that long because Johnny Carson did it for like 30-something years. Yeah. For very it's long about time. the same amount of time. If you think about it. The 90s yeah. weren't that far. Almost Chris, 30 years. Might remember, tonight after Raw, it's the Highlander. Duncan McLeod is in a sticky situation. You see it tonight after Raw. Boom, boom. 
I was never a Highlander guy, so. I just remember hearing about it on freaking Raw. Tonight after Raw, it's Highlander. And a brand new Silk Stockings. Oh my god, that's that's a show I haven't heard in years. <laughs> Silk Stockings? My mom used to watch that. <laughs> I can't believe you just that named Dude, that literally, like, that was like... That was, like, deeply locked in a recess of my brain, that name. I think that's the first time I've heard the name Silk Stalking since the 1990s. Holy shit. That's one of your code words, then. And don't forget later tonight, it's the the Femme Nikita. Yeah, did you see those memes where it's, like, it's uh, Max putting on the headphones in Stranger Things 4 to get snapped out of the trance? Like... Because if you listen to your favorite song, you can concentrate and get out of the void and escape the upside down. So the meme is like, well, that's why uh, Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush is suddenly a popular song again. But they've been they've been memeing it so that they'll put any music in there. Like, what's your wake up song? And somebody made one and it's just Weird Al playing the accordion. And I'm like, yep, there's mine. That's it right there. That's the one. That's the winner. Which Al song? Nope, just put on the album. Put on the album and hit play. I'll be awake. There was the start of a British comedy called Absolutely Fabulous. Never heard of it. It is very British. Well, I would assume so. You got it. Is is it one of those? If you have a taste for British comedy, you'll like it. Yeah. Like, like basically, it stars. It has uh, one woman's like a washed-up former model, and the other one is a uh, um, fashion. She's like she runs like a fashion magazine, and she and the other one's her model. And it's just their drunken escapades. So it's the Kardashians in England. That's what it sounds like. Crickets? Okay, good night, everybody. And that's what I realized my mic was muted! <laughs> Alright, that's funny. Alright. Dan, what were the top Christmas gifts of 93? Apparently it was WWF action figures and the Super Nintendo. Were those the LJN figures? I mean, this is 92, late 92, so I'm like, what would that be, right? Like, late 92 is Ric Flair's leaving soon. Bret Hart has just recently became world champion. I know the LJN figures are really popular. It's not, like, a great time. I mean, I guess people might have bought their Undertaker figure or something, maybe. I don't know. It's a, I, when I got to the website and I was like, "Really, ninety-two? <laughs> okay." Hmm. But of course, Super Nintendo was like third year where it was a top gift. <laughs> so I was still back in the day when like the bits on in a system mattered, right? And then they tried to. They tried to make a whole thing out of it, like the Atari Jaguar. Which lied. It had two different ways of getting 32. 
Right. And so like, like, well, it's two times thirty-two is sixty-four, but you can't have you can't access all sixty-four bits of it. Yeah, it's. The true 64-bit was the Nintendo 64. And then at that point, after that, we didn't care. Yeah, literally that's when it stopped mattering. Like, Sony came into the market not even mentioning that it was a 32-bit system, really. They were just like, we could play your fucking CDs and listen to the system. It's awesome. Coming out next from Sony... The PlayStation 8K. You're just like, okay. We're going back to this. Okay. Yeah, it's starting all over again, isn't it? It's just like, oh yeah, 1080p and 4K and... Yeah, no. I will say, Hertz matter. The actual fucking frequency and how fast you can get that picture up onto the display... That fucking matters. Hurts, don't it? It does, when you don't have it. <laughs> Dan, what have you seen this week? Oh, uh, the last season of Doctor Who finally hit HBO Max, so I watched that. It was called Flux, and it was only six episodes. And I can't really explain it, because it's really... Off the wall, in a way, it's like the uh, well, like don't, don't spoil it for me. I the ideas, you. the like the ideology of time and versus space is actually been at war forever, but time has actually been held back for a very long time, and someone unleashed the full power of time. Because hmm. if you really think about it, right, it's like space is like you know existence but time destroys existence eventually hmm. time eats away at space I dig it sounds like the plot of the Langoliers but also in Doctor Who news Neil Patrick Harris is going to be in the 60th anniversary show and is also word uh, heard that he might be a major villain for the next season too, for the next Doctor. I would love, I would love that. I don't think He's I could see him as the Doctor, horrible. but I'd love him to be involved somehow. So he's apparently a bad guy. People are saying from the picture he looks like he looks like the Celestial Toy Maker from like way long ago. Doctor Who. So, should be cool. All right. Um, I have seen Jurassic World Dominion. Did you? Mm-hmm. So, what kind of reviews have you guys been seeing for this? Zero good. Okay. I have not seen anything. Yeah. That's what I had only seen, too. Zero good. Well, let me offer a positive review. It's pretty good. Is it as good as the first Jurassic Park? Of course not. Nothing ever will be. 
Is it as good as the first Jurassic World? No. No. Is it better than Fallen Kingdom and Jurassic Park 3? By leagues. But I didn't exactly set the bar very high, did I? See, I enjoyed Fallen Kingdom until they left the uh, island. Is it better than Soul Plane? Well, I've never seen that, but yes. (laughs) Well, I don't know you, but yes. So, there is a lot that goes on in this movie. Um... Mark Adams had a pretty good review. He said the movie at times is just trying to do too much. And he's right. It is definitely trying very hard in a lot of ways to be a lot of different things. But it does succeed in a lot of aspects, too. Um, it has a couple of very interesting takes, like... <clears throat> I mean, this isn't really like a spoiler or anything because it's shown in the previews, but... On the Isle of Malta, there's an underground, like, crime organization type place where they're basically making dinosaurs fight in pits, selling them, uh, eating them, gambling on them, all that kind of shit. I think you just described Pokemon, but continue. Yes. (laughs) It's really cool to see some of the main characters from the first movie come back and interact with the characters from the, the new franchise. They interact very well. There is a lot of new character introductions that don't really get fleshed out that well, but again, not really that big of a deal because... I had heard that there was, like, they put in too many subplots. There's a lot going on, but here's the thing. This is the first Jurassic Park movie that doesn't have anything boring in it. As far, like... Like, yes, there's exposition and everything, but they they get the points across pretty quickly and they move on to the next thing. What I do find interesting about this is it doesn't go in the direction you might think it's going to go in. It kind of does subvert your expectations as to where it's going to go with the movie. Now, the disappointing thing is that they do tease that it's taking place all over the world, but it's really not. It's taking place in confines, of course, but the impact is global and like i said it's it's a pretty satisfactory movie with the action and the and some of the characters do a good job interacting with each other it's no masterpiece by any means and there are parts of it that do feel like they could have done better with but it's still an enjoyable movie there's really good callbacks And there's a couple of twists that I didn't even predict were going to happen. And I was actually pretty satisfied with them, so. I think it's worth a fair shot. I might even put it above the Lost World Jurassic Park. I might put it number three on the list of the six movies. Oh, now you've piqued my interest. I might. Because... If your big complaint is that... Because my biggest complaint about The Lost World was always the same thing. They introduced a bunch of new characters and did nothing with them. And people say they're doing this here, but what they're actually doing... They do introduce a few new characters, but they do focus very heavily on the main characters you already knew. Which was Owen and Claire, and then Grant, Sattler, and Malcolm. And they all play big roles. Plus, they they do full character arcs with Dr. Henry Wu, 
and Lewis Dodson. So yeah, it's worth a fair share shot to look at. I really, I really believe that. I definitely recommend it. Um, if you didn't like the new Jurassic World movies, you're probably not going to like this one either. But if you at least liked those movies or had interest in them, then you're going to find something good about this one too. How's that for a review? I mean, you already sold me, so. I mean, I'm watching it right now. There, good job. No, <laughs> I mean, honestly, look at it this way. If you survive Jurassic Park 3, then yeah, you'll be fine watching this one. Jurassic Park 3 was utter garbage. Everybody knows that. Someone worked really hard on that film, and they feel real bad right now. And that's how we felt when we saw your movie. Yep. You worked hard just so I could feel bad. Thank you. Thanks for that. I saw one of those breakdown videos that they do on uh, on YouTube. I think it's on... Uh, I can't remember the name of the channel now. Like the specific channel. But they, they bring in like a paleontologist to look at scenes from Jurassic Park and kind of break them down. Let me actually see if I can find that video real quick and I'll tell you exactly who it is. Oh, it's well, it's on Wired. Okay. Or Insider. Have you seen the um the paleontologist who was making fun of like dinosaurs? Like somebody was like, you know, scientists can't tell you what colors dinosaurs were. Uh and then uh the guy comes on and he says, Actually, uh, I've I'm professional this, this and that. And uh, this is a misconception amongst, like, many people. And it's very clear as day um, and an easy method of telling what color a dinosaur is, is you figure out what dinosaur it actually is and look at the corresponding Power Ranger, and that is the color. So <laughs> T-Rexes were red. <laughs> and, like, he just goes off on the tangent, and I just thought I just That's amazing. I would have lost my shit watching that. <laughs> Oh, that was great. That makes me yeah. so happy that that exists. Where he sets it up with all this official speak and stuff, and then... Yeah, out of nowhere, he's just, just like, yeah. <laughs> that is really good, though. Um, yeah, T-Rexes were red. Obviously, Triceratops were blue. Exactly. And, uh, you know, um, Pterodactyls were yellow. Pink. Pink? Pink? Sabertooth Tigers was the oh, ranger. That's awesome. That's so great. So, um, yeah. So one of the one of my favorite parts of the breakdown was they showed the fight scene between the T Rex and the Spinosaur, and they're just like, "Look at how the T Rex's neck is built. Look at its jaw, and then look at the Spinosaurus." They're like, "There is no way in hell Spinosaurus would have won this battle." And there's no way it would have snapped the T-Rex's neck. Just wouldn't have happened. They're just doing this to showcase the new dinosaur. Like, T-Rex would have destroyed Spinosaurus. So that was like the big scene that made me angry in that movie was they killed the T-Rex. I also love the idea where they're just like, how come in all these movies, like, the T-Rex is sitting there over prey? 
like giant prey that it killed and then humans show up and it chases them. It's like, no, that's not how this works. Yeah, it'll probably roar at you to get you to get away from its prey, but it's not leaving it there to chase you when you're so small. Like, that's not how that works. Yeah, you imagine how many humans would have to eat? To... <laughs> yeah, it already has food. Unless it's, like, related to a cat somehow, because I can actually see a cat doing that, so maybe. No, they're all chickens, dude. I mean, yes, I understand that they're all birds, but, like... T-Rex is definitely a chicken. I kind of want a chicken-sized T-Rex right now. Yeah, I'm hungry. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you want some Rex nuggets? Go get those Tyson dinosaur-shaped nuggets. It's made with real dinosaur. Damn right. Uh, who has been watching Obi-Wan and Ms. Marvel? Because I'm caught up. I am not caught up. I am uh, I episode them, on... like right before <laughs> you could, right before we got home. And we're ready to record. Okay, so why don't we do this? How about at the conclusion of Obi-Wan, we do a completely, we do a patron-exclusive episode where we just break down the whole series. That's next week. Yep. Uh, For now, I'll just give some of my thoughts. Uh, The Obi-Wan series is leading to a pretty big conclusion. And I really like where they've gone with it. It's been cool to kind of fill in the blanks. And they've done a really good job teasing where the character arcs are turning to. And kind it of shows like uh, the way things are and the way characters act in episode uh, four. Yes, it like really informs that. Like this is why things are happening the way they're happening when we get to episode four, and the way they act, they're acting the way they're acting. And I really like the first two episodes of Ms. Marvel so far. It's been fun. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. That means, timeline-wise, this is happening alongside with Rogue One? No. We're not there yeah, this yet. This would still be well before Rogue One. Yeah. Okay. The, tw- the twins are ten years old during Obi-Wan. Yeah. We're like halfway-ish between... There's another seven years before any of that stuff happens. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't know if they were going to do... I, like I said, I haven't, I'm not completely caught up, so I didn't know if they were going to do a time jump or whatever. No, if they're doing a season two for Obi-Wan, then I doubt we're going to get a time jump. Um, I will say this, though. I love the uh, the retro scenes that they've incorporated in with it. And there was a fan theory, Dan. You and I discussed this privately that turned out to be true. Yeah. So you guys can check that out in the new episode. But yeah, I like where they're going with it. I, I've really enjoyed... The theming of it, and I'm sorry, but I know the prequels weren't great, but they deserved more love and attention than they've gotten from the new trilogy era. So I'm glad that we're finally incorporating some of that stuff in. I mean, I geeked out like hell when Mando got a Naboo Starfighter as a gift in Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. Especially when he when he shit talks the cops. I thought that was hysterical. And it seems like now it's the um in the last couple of years with the Disney shows, it's been, man, I hope you watched uh, Clone Wars. And I think now it's going to be, I hope you watched Rebels. Yep. But don't sleep on Clone Wars and Rebels. They were really good. 
They're good. Like I, and like I said, you even mentioned like when Matt was telling you about Yu Yu Hakusho about getting past the character introduction and stuff. And that's exactly what I told you about Rebels. Yeah, you're, you you're like get through the character inter- introductions. You're like the first season sets up a lot of stuff, but once you get past that, and I remember I was like, okay, it's getting better and better, and then the second season ends with that Ahsoka duel with Vader. And, and even was, like so even in the, like the last episode of the first season, it's like okay, because I think we see we like meet Bail Organa, I think in that episode, and Ahsoka showing up by then, right? Because she's Fulcrum, and. Yeah, holy shit. It's like, well, okay, now, now we care about the characters in this group, well, and now can, shit's picked up. If you're going to watch Ahsoka's live-action series, you better know what's going on in these shows, because they've already said they've cast Ezra, Sabine, and Hera, and Grand Admiral Thrawn, so... I, did you see the uh, um thing from Star Wars, whatever thing, where Rosario Dawson's, like, getting interviewed... And someone was like, asked a question about like, you're gonna bring any friends with you? And she's like, actually, Chopper. Yeah, and Chopper, Chopper shows up. Out. Live action <laughs> Chopper, baby. I love Chopper. <laughs> Chopper's so has more personality as a, as a non speaking bot because it's never been fully repaired from its changeover. Chopper's. Chopper might be the biggest wise-ass in the Star Wars universe. And that says yeah. a lot. All because of that. Was, oh, he was a he was an Imperial droid, and we we erased his Imperial stuff, but we haven't... We, we kind of did a, a hatchet job of it. So he's a little, little not quite right. Works for me. A lot of good stuff happened this week, so uh, thank you all for your patience with this later episode, the shorter episode. Um, I want, we wanted to get this out to you guys. We'll try to return to a normal schedule this weekend. Hopefully my voice will be back to 100%. The, uh, the coughing fits are getting less and less. I'm able to talk longer sentences without having to pause for a coughing break, so I am feeling better. I know Dan was feeling under the weather, but... Maybe you know what we need, guys. We need a getaway. If only we knew somebody who could help us get away from all this crap. With this near hundred degrees, and you want to get away? I want to fly away. away? I never say goodbye. Were you two singing two different songs at the same time? Yes, we were. Yes, were. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) I'm like that didn't match up to where I was expecting that to go. Okay. Well, fortunately, we know a guy. His name is Emerson A. Cotton. He's a loyal patron and friend of the show. And if you go to emersoncotton.intellitravel.com, you can book your next trip with him. I might be using him to get some bookings taken care of when I go to Halloween Horror Nights in October. Which I'm excited to attend. Because there is going to be a house themed on the original Halloween as in 1978 Halloween, not the friggin' Return of Michael Myers or whatever the crappy sequel house they had the year I went was. Nope, we're getting a real house this year. The real Halloween. And the latest rumor that just dropped, there's a grandfather clock at Islands of Adventure. 
So, I mean, makes sense that they would do something Stranger Things related with the last season coming out, so I'm not surprised there. Very good. Looking forward to that. Uh, and go to the link in the description of this episode and purchase a t-shirt. Help support us financially and keep this show free. When I sell a couple of t-shirts, we can get a we can get a decent amount sold by the end of the year. We can keep this thing free. No ads or anything. Um, I really don't want to have to resort to putting ads on the show, but I might be going in that direction soon. So this is one way to prevent that from happening. You support the show financially by purchasing a t-shirt. New designs on the way, by the way. I'm working on some new designs as we speak. So look forward to that. Next week, we'll talk about 1993 and maybe whatever else you guys want us to talk about. So uh, we'll probably be at dr releasing a new episode over the weekend. Don't have a lot of time, so leave something in the comments and tell us what it is we should discuss on the Nerd Table. And if we like you, maybe we will. And if we don't like you, yeah, we'll probably <laughs> still discuss your topic anyway, but we might make fun of you in the process. We would never. No, never. Special thanks to Jeff T., Jay Winger, Glenn Kukan, Adrian Cotton, Matthew Hardman, Brian Leon, and Robert Atkin. Thank you guys for being loyal patrons and supporting us financially. A new one-man podcast will be released just for you guys this week. I did have to take the time off due to being sick, but I've got a plan for a new episode, and we'll be back on the early release schedule for patrons when that comes out. I don't know when I'm going to release that, but you guys just keep an eye on the patron page. And some more stuff coming, some YouTube stuff that we've been talking about. I have challenged Dan to take a hundred of those Simpsons Jeopardy questions, put them together, and we're going to record a part where he's going to ask me a hundred questions. I'm going to see how many of them I can get right. And we're going to do a couple of trivia-themed episodes like that. So if you guys have a topic, we can give you the 100 questionnaire and put you to the challenge. And it could be about any topic you want. I'll go online and I'll research a ton of trivia questions about whatever topic you want. And we'll make that happen. Uh, content creators and patrons get first crack at that, by the way. So y'all just let me know. And I have decided to get back into streaming. I am considering maybe next Thursday doing my next or my first uh, official Super Nintendo Challenge stream. I'm going to play every SNES game ever made. Or maybe it won't be Thursday. Maybe I'll do it on Wednesday because I want Dan in on it too. Or possibly Eric as well. I don't know yet. I'm still working on details, but... I want to get back into streaming, and I'm looking to do that, so. All right. Anything else you guys got? Hmm. Who did my catchphrase last week? I don't believe anybody. Actually, did. I think Chris said it at the very end, actually. Well, then, be excellent to one another. There you go. We'll see you guys in a few short days. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of The Nerd Table on CKCC Radio. Check out all the shows at ckccradio.com and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode.